Well, I am thankful that you've chosen to join us today and we're in our ongoing series that we've been in called Body Language as we study through the letter of 1 Corinthians. And the week prior to Mother's Day, so last week was Mother's Day, my wife Teresa shared some things, but the week prior to that, we talked about God's desire for us to live with a kingdom uh, mindset and all that we do. And we talked about that kingdom mindset that is intended not just for ministry, it's, it's to impact ministry, but it's something that's intended to shape life, it's intended to shape parenting, it's intended to shape work and relationships, that it's this kingdom first mindset. And if you'll remember, we focused on one, there was one verse specifically that we looked at. Could you put that up for me? Matthew chapter six, verse 33. These are the words of Jesus. He says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Notice whose kingdom he says, seek first his kingdom. He doesn't say seek first your kingdom. He doesn't say seek first um, your, your place of employer's kingdom. All of those other priorities that would try to slip into first. But he says we seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. It's his way of, his, his order, his structure to life, his structure to our mindset, to our thinking. We talked about the perspective that we're to live with this verse and, and, and letting it shape uh, and mold every bit of who we are. Now, one of the things that I've found in the world in which we live today, and I'm sure many of you and really all of you have experienced this in some way or another, but when it comes to this verse, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well, all of these things Jesus was identifying, all the things that he said before, we're talking about the cares of life, talking about the essentials of life, talking about all the things that, that we would put priority on as things that we need in life. But Jesus says our first priority is to always be a kingdom first mindset. Now one of the things that I found in life is that we live in a culture and we live in a world that focuses on the now. And as we focus on the now, it's very easy to let, as a follower of Christ, to let this slip to kind of the, the backdrop but not really let it be the filter or the lens that we look through in life. But one of the things we talked about, Jesus never gave a reason that this mind, this this priority in life, he never gave a reason to let this become second. He said this is always to stay first in our thinking and to stay first in our living. But we live in the world that focuses on the now. And I, I think about it in my mind as I talk about how easy it is to focus on the now and to not think about the long term and to not think about how this verse shapes our lives and shapes our priorities in life is as a, as a parent with my kids when they were little, and I'm sure that there's many here who've had little ones or even have little ones now that you can relate to this, but you don't have to be a parent to relate to this, but I could lay my kids in bed and as I'd tuck them in in bed at night, as my wife and I would tuck them in, would look and would stop and would realize just how much more of them were filling the bed than they had in previous weeks. Just these little markers and indicators that would realize time is passing and, and we're not really slowing down to really capture and realize that time is passing. We were living so much in the now, especially as parents, to stop and realize the growth that was taking place. And in our lives, there's so many things that may not be tucking your child in, in bed at night, but it, it could be the project you're on at work. It could be uh, the season you're in as a family. It could be the season you're in in life as a single individual, focusing on the next and focusing on what it is that's coming. And we get so focused in on the rhythm and the flow and the things of life or the transitions in life that we don't stop long enough to back up from the now that we're living in and to make sure that we're living out in a mindset, a kingdom first mindset. And a kingdom first mindset not only realizes that it affects the, the God's priority and his right 
righteousness affects life now, but it's intended to shape us with a lifestyle and a mindset that is leaning and thinking towards eternity, towards eternal things, things that matter of, e- of eternal weight and, and of eternal val- value. <clears throat> so it's with that in mind, I wanna ask you to turn in your Bible with me to uh, 1, Corinthians chapter, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter three, beginning in verse number 10. And I'd like to take a few minutes just to look at these verses together, verses 10 through 18. Want to read a a few sections of verse 17, read sections with you and give you a few things to consider when it comes to life and comes to a kingdom first mindset. So beginning in verse number 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. For it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Just by way of of kind of a filler of what we've been talking about in this series on body language and leading up to the passages that we're looking at, that the Apostle Paul is writing to real individuals in real time uh, and just the culture that they were living in. And he was writing to believers, Christians who had made a decision to put Christ first in their life. But the problem that had taken place in the city of Corinth and in the hearts and the minds of the believers in Corinth is they begin to take their cues and their values from the culture around them rather than a kingdom first mindset. That they were letting the culture shape them and one of the ways we've talked about it in the past is that the city of Corinth, they were letting letting the city of Corinth get inside the believers of Corinth rather than letting the believers of Corinth transform the community around them. And so Paul begins to address that and one of the things that we looked at a couple of weeks ago was he talked about the immaturity of these believers and the importance of really resetting the foundation of their life, making sure that it was centered upon Christ and not another individual. And so when Paul begins to talk about what we've just looked at and talked about, he's talking about ministry and he's talking about individuals and leadership. He's talking about divisions in the church. But in the midst of all of that, he lays forth some principles that I think you and I can take and look at in life and look to apply in life that is as it relates to living a kingdom first mindset and really a lifestyle that's centered around Jesus that is shaping our mindset, it's shaping our lives, it's shaping our thinking, it's shaping everything of who we are. And so three things, there's a number of them in this, these verses that we've looked at, but three things that I wanna highlight for you this morning that I think you and I can take and look for in application. The first thing that to keep in mind in what Paul has talked about is the reminder that Christ is always central. That Christ is always central. Can you put verse 11 up one more time? This is verse 11 from what we've just read. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already been laid. No other foundation. What he's identifying is there's a number of places in scripture. Uh, in First Peter, it talks about it. It talks about Jesus being the foundation or being the cornerstone or being kind of the, the central piece. And he's highlighting while, again, talking about ministry and saying it's not about the people you're looking at, the leaders you're looking at, the church you're 
superintending. He says that the focus is upon Christ. The reminder to you and me is that it's, it's such a great reminder and it really should be a sobering reminder that Christ is always central. That he's meant to be the centerpiece of our lives, the, the central part of everything that we do. It is very easy to go through life and to have other things try to substitute and become that central piece in our lives. But I think the, all of the different things, whether it be career paths or education or finances or relationships or really you name it, any type of thing that would try to displace Christ as being central, the number one thing that runs rival to, to Jesus being the centerpiece and central in our lives, it's not things externally, it's things internally. It's what we're letting happen in our hearts and really letting ourselves become that centerpiece, letting ourselves become the, the kind of the, the foundation that everything is built in on. Uh, an example that I've used often here for our State College Assembly family, so if you're new tuning in, um, is that when it comes to Christ being the foundation, I've said that many times, individuals will go through life and we, we love to collect little things from the seasons of life that we've been in. Uh, you can just go in my office and you can see a number of little knickknacks and things that I've picked up from different seasons that I've been in, different countries I've been in, something that is front, reminds me of the country and the place that I've been in or uh, things from basketball games that I've been to or things from different uh, places I've served and things I've been in life and as a family. And so I have all of these little knickknacks in my, in my office and many times it's really representative of what you and I do in life is that we have our lives as that centerpiece and we have all of these different things that we bring in to life. But when it comes to following Jesus, he is not another thing that we bring into life. Rather, he becomes our life. He becomes the foundation. He becomes that centerpiece. And the way I've described it here is that he becomes the shelf that all of our life is built upon. And that it, it, the focus is upon Jesus and keeping him as, keeping him central, keeping him as the, the center point. And so when you look at that and we talk about that, what, that Jesus being the central piece in our life, that maybe the simple question is, what exactly does that look like? Here's three ways that that looks. First, it means that Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the central part of your life. He's the central part. He's the central identifier to your life and to who you are. It's not a matter of, of your employment. It's not a matter of your relational status. It's not a matter, matter of your race. It's not a matter of your nationality. It's a matter of you are in Christ. That becomes your key identifier and marker in life. You're a follower of Jesus Christ and that shapes everything. You may be a follower of Jesus Christ living in different parts of the world. You may be a follower of Jesus Christ serving in different um, employment places, serving in different career paths. You may be a follower of Jesus Christ attending different schools, but the primary thing that matters is you first are a follower of Jesus Christ. A verse that's been on my mind uh, in recent months is Romans 13, 14. It says, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. In just a second, I'm going to show you a different translation, but Look at this, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's very easy to get focused on the back half of this verse. Do not think about how to gratify or how to fulfill or how to meet the cravings of your natural self. 
to think about how do I not meet all of those cravings and things in life? And that can become the focus on of the Christian life is that how do I go about not doing what I want to do? How do I go about not doing those things that my desires pull me towards? But here's the answer. It starts with who we belong to. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like this morning, you got up and you made a choice to put on the PJs you're wearing or the outfit you're wearing or whatever it is that you're wearing right now. It says we make a choice daily to clothe ourselves we make a choice daily to center ourselves to make sure our lives are the foundational part of our life is centered upon Jesus. A few weeks ago, Pastor David did a devotional on the SCA Youth uh, Facebook page and the Instagram page, and he used this verse. He quoted this verse, but he used it in a different translation, and I want you to see this. It's in the New Living Translation. It says, instead, clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus. Clothe yourselves with the presence of the Lord Jesus. It's this making sure that he is the the most important part of your life. He is the most defining part of your life. Recently, I was drawn back as I was thinking about this passage and and just some of the things that God's been uh, just dealing with in my own life and and continually reminding me of in my own life. And I was reminded of a little booklet that I handed out here um, probably a couple years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. I think we've handed it out a couple of times and it's just a very small booklet and it's called My Heart, Christ's Home by Robert Boyd Munger. Very small little booklet, almost like a, a little parable, little bitty story, 28 pages in this small booklet. So very quick, easy read. I looked this morning. You can, still, you can find this on Amazon for like $2.50. Um, the Kindle version is the same price. Um, but I just encourage you, if you've never read this, get a copy of this. Get a copy in your hands and, and be sure to read it through. And what he talks about it in a parable-like story, the author shares a picture of opening his heart to Christ. And he's using the verse that we were just looking at. And he talks about opening his life to Christ and letting Christ become that the centerpiece, coming home and living in his heart and in his life. But the picture he uses is opening the door to his home. And as he opens the door to his home, or really his heart, he invites Jesus in. And then as he begins to cultivate relationship with Jesus Christ and making sure that Jesus is that central piece and central part of his life, he talks about how he takes Jesus room to room in his house and how each part of the room, of each part of the house and the room that he goes to each represent different parts of life. When he takes him to the kitchen to, to serve a meal, it identifies the things that we're feeding our lives and feeding our mindset, not so much in physical food, but the things that we're allowing our appetites to feed on. Uh, he takes him to the study and he talks about the things that, that the mind, the thoughts that we allow to dwell in our minds and those things. He just progressively goes room by room through the house and it talks about this, uh, this whole um, principle of making Jesus the very centerpiece of our lives. Secondly, when it comes to Christ, recognizing Christ is always central. First, it means that Jesus is the foundational, the central part of your life. The second thing is it means is that it, the teachings of Jesus are central that the, te- the things that Jesus said, they matter. They, they carry weight in our lives, that they are, they're central in our lives. Can you put up uh, Matthew, I believe it's Matthew chapter seven. Jesus says this. He's talking about the words that he says. Jesus says his teachings, his instructions, and then he gives a parable. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down. I want you to pay attention to this verse and because we're gonna see it again in just a second. This is talking about the wise man who listens to the words of Jesus and puts them into action. 
says it builds his house upon the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock, because its foundation was firm. And Jesus says the person who hears the words that he teaches and puts them into action is like a person who builds their house on a solid foundation. Now, if you can go ahead. It says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, so everyone who listens but does absolutely nothing, there's no life application, there's no change. Everyone who hears what's being said from scripture and does not put it into action, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Now listen to the storm that comes. The rains came down. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Look at the storm. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew against it. Exact same storm. The exact same, same storm hit both lives. One stood the test, one crumbled and fell. And Jesus says that the outcome has to do with how we heed his words and put them into practice. Times like we're in right now with a global pandemic that's going on are great, great examples of how have we taken the words of Christ and put them into action. Part of making Christ central involves valuing the things that Christ has said and letting those, his truths begin to shape and form our lives. Um, there's a number of times in scripture where Jesus talks about the end times and he talks about things like we're going through right now that, that uh, remind us that this life is not all there is. And in all of those warnings that he gives, it points back to, to realizing the value of the instruction Jesus is giving. So when the time comes, when the storms come, that, we're, that our lives don't crumble. So it's placing value on the things that Jesus says. So not just making sure our lives are centered upon him, but then the centering of our lives upon him will be shown in valuing the instruction and the teaching of Jesus. A third thing showing that Christ is central is that anything that our life produces is founded upon Jesus. So it's one thing to say that, our, that, our life, that Jesus matters in our lives. It's another thing to, to adjust our life to make sure that he is central. It's even yet another thing to take the words of Christ and make sure our lives are reflecting those. And it's even yet another thing to make sure that everything our life is producing is pointing back to Jesus, that it's founded upon him. Second thing Paul identifies when it comes to uh, the lifestyle that we live and really the importance of a kingdom first mindset, not only is Christ always central, but the second thing he identifies is to build with care, to, to invest your life with care, look at verse 10. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But to each one should build with care. There's one translation says that they should take heed how they build. But it identifies that, so if Christ is central in our lives, then the lives that we produce, we need to make sure that we're careful that it's reflecting the foundation of a lifestyle in Christ. Now, as I mentioned earlier, what Paul is talking about right now, he's talking about ministry, he's talking about uh, the, the church function in life, but it's an important reminder that the things that we bring into our lives, the things that we produce through our lives, that we need to be mindful of those things that they point back to Jesus and point back to our relationship with him. One of the things that we have here as a church, we have a number of core values, just kind of identifiers of showing what, helping us keep in front of us what church life looks like and how as we follow Jesus, what that looks like fleshed out in community. But one of our core values that we have here is that everyone has something to offer. 
Everyone has something to offer. And in, in that core value, one of the things that we're declaring is we realize that every single person has a God-given gift and talent to be invested and used for kingdom purposes. That everyone has something to offer. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about how the Holy Spirit gives the, the gifts, uh, different gifts, different gifts, both gifts of the Spirit, as well as very practical, functional gifts for the, the body, for ministering to others. And it says that he, he distributes those gifts as he sees fit. And so we look at that and we realize that God has placed gifting in every single individual. And, and the goal is that we take those giftings and use them to advance his kingdom, that we build with care in the things that we're allowing our lives to be used on. And so when we look at that, we realize that the talents and gifts that God has invested in us is not just represented by someone standing on stage, but there's a number of other places and ways that we can demonstrate those gifts and allow the spirit of God to minister through us. In fact, in verse 16, Paul is talking about the gathering of the church. So in, later in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul talks about your life. He talks about my life and he says that our lives become the dwelling place, the temple. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us individually. And that's why we're mindful of the things that we do or don't do because the Holy Spirit is with us continually as we've placed our faith in Christ. But then he says in verse 16, he says, do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? He's, he's identifying that there is a supernatural dynamic that happens when we gather together as a church family. Now, the method may be different. This season, the method is different. You're standing in your house, I'm standing here. Others are in their own homes and in their own places watching and a part of this service this morning. But we're still collectively gathering and we're recognizing that as we gather together, there is something unique, something supernatural that happens as we gather. That, it, that is a place where God by his spirit works and moves and ministers. Even later, the very next verse, Paul gives very strong warning. He says, anyone who causes division or tries to tear apart the church, that they'll have to answer to God for that because he identifies the significance and the, the, the supernatural power that is linked to the congregation, to the body of Christ gathering together. So it's a reminder that you and I, God has placed different unique gifts in each one of us and places the minister uh, and to be able to be used. Now you might hear me talking about this right now and talking about the gifts and talking about building with care and using the gifts and the, the things that God has invested in your life. And you might hear me talking about that and you might think, well, this is really an odd time to be talking about ministry involvement because it's a time that we can't be together. It's a time that we, we can't necessarily come together physically and serve. And I would challenge you and say, rather than thinking about it being as an odd time, I would suggest that this is the perfect time to be talking about the importance of letting God use our lives as an investment into his kingdom. And I say it's a perfect time for at least two reasons. First, it's a reminder that ministry is not just something that happens at this building. It's a reminder in your life that the giftings that God has placed in you are not merely limited from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Sunday mornings, nor are they just limited to our Wednesday night time or other times that we gather together, but that the ministries and the giftings that God has placed in you are meant to be beyond the walls of this church building so that when we're still, when we're not able to physically meet like we are right now, there's individuals serving right now in our media team, individuals serving on stage and they're using the giftings and the talents that God has 
has given them. But those giftings and talents are not limited to this building and this time and this space. And so I would encourage you to look at your life and realize that there is, there is ministry potential in your life that God wants to use and it will be fleshed out through this congregation when we gather, but it, it goes beyond that and it goes beyond these walls and look now for ways that God can use you and to really invest in your life. I would suggest that if we look at the talents and the giftings that God has placed in our lives and he's placed in your life, and you look at it as being limited to just the times that we're here at church or there's only a selective few that are being used, then I would suggest that you're doing what Paul has said not to do. You're not building with care. You're not investing carefully uh, the giftings that God has placed in you and the way that he wants to use, use your life. So first, it's a reminder that ministry is not just something that happens here. The second thing that I say this is the perfect time to talk about ministry involvement and getting involved in ministry is that it affords us the time to look inwardly at the soul level and to look inwardly at the motives of why we do things, to look inwardly at our heart and, and the growth that's taking place. We've used several weeks to talk about the growth that is intended to take place in the life of a follower of Jesus, that we're continually meant to be growing closer to Jesus and becoming more and more like him, that there's continual growth taking place. And so this time where we're not able to physically gather together, take time to, to look inwardly. Look at the growth that should be taking place in your life. How are you growing in your faith? How are you growing in the giftings that God has placed in your life? If we take time to look and realize that when it comes to ministry, we can never build into the church what we've not first built into our lives. That we can never go deeper in ministry, ministry where we've not gone first ourselves. So as you're a leader, as you serve, as you serve in different capacities of, this, of the church and beyond the church, look for ways that now in this season that you can go deeper in your faith. Look for ways now that you can go deeper in, in knowing Christ and growing in knowing Christ. It involves investment, it involves time, it involves energy. You know, I think this applies just to beyond just ministry that, that takes place here or even beyond, but it applies to so many spheres of life. I think about our parents and parents who are watching and perhaps your little ones are playing in another room right now and, and you're tuning in and you're watching. I think it's a great reminder as a parent that if you wanna see your kids grow in knowing Christ and living a lifestyle that loves Christ, don't just teach them about it or, or give them instruction or, or point them to someone who gives them instruction, but let your lifestyle be their instruction. Be an example in that and letting your life go deeper in knowing Christ so it can then be a model to those who are around you, but be, being able to best exemplify those to Christ around us. And it's an investment that will take time and it's an investment that will take energy. And I wanna show you something Paul identifies when it comes to how we build into our lives. Verse 12, Paul is talking about the way we build in our lives, the way we build into the church and the ministry. And he, he in, he, in the end, he's talking about the accounting. We're gonna talk about that in a second. The eternal accounting that we will give as we stand before Christ on the life we've lived. But look what he says. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, and then later he says that it'll be shown for what it is. But he says, if you build on this foundation, the foundation is Jesus, 
using gold, silver, or costly stones, wood, hair, stubble. So two categories of things. One are valuable items, gold, silver, and costly stones. The other are not so valuable, wood, hair, stubble, or straw, or some translations would say stubble. Now it's very easy to look at this and to look at these two categories of, of building materials. One is very valuable, one is not very valuable. And it, we, can, we can make the comparison there. One of great value, gold, silver, costly stones. Uh, one not so valuable, wood, hair, straw. And I think there is, com- there is a lesson there, talking about the value that we put place on things. But I think that the, maybe a better lesson I could offer is not so much the value of gold, silver, costly stones versus wood, hair, straw. It's not so much the value, but it's about the ease of access. When it comes to gold, silver, and costly stones, those take time to find. Those take investment. They are costly, but they take investment of time, energy, and resources. That's why when it comes to buying gold, silver, or costly stones, you have to pay a lot because someone has invested a lot of time and energy and resources to to harvest those. However, when it comes to wood, hay, or straw, those are things that are fairly easy to find. On the way home today, I think I could pass all three of these things and find them and pick them up on the way home. But it shows ease of access. And this reminds me, it really brings back to the the giftings that God has placed in your life. Yes, there's value, there's different, there's value that we see that God wants us to place in the giftings, but I think even more so is the investment of time and energy and resources into what it is that you're investing for his kingdom. That at the end of the day, when it comes to life and looking at our lives, that it's a reminder that, that all of the things that God wants to produce in us, most of them do not come uh, by at the pace that the world around us lives and moves that we can't serve Christ at the pace of this world. We can't invest in following Christ and invest in the lives that have been entrusted to us by moving at the pace of this world. That we have to slow down and invest the time and the energy to allow the Spirit of God to minister to us and to speak to our lives and to speak to our hearts. I'm often drawn to a picture in the Old Testament and the prophet Hosea talking about the Holy Spirit And he describes the Holy Spirit as a mist or a dew that settles in the morning. And if you think about a dew that that settles in the morning, if you've been up early in the morning, you realize that it settles on things that are still. That you can be out jogging in the morning or running and and the mist isn't gonna necessarily settle on you. But if you set something out overnight, then that that mist or that dew will settle on it. And the the Holy Spirit is pictured as a a dew that settles in the morning. And that reminds me of just the stillness, the calmness, the, the lack of being in a hurry that you and I have to be in if we wanna be able to not only receive the things that God is wanting to pour into our lives, but also to be able to in turn invest out those very things that he's putting into us. And that involves time and investment and, and patience. And then the third thing that I would give you from the things that we've looked at this morning and realizing the, uh, what God is looking by way of eternal value in our lives is number one, Christ is always central. Secondly, that we build with care, we invest with care. But the third thing that I would highlight is the, is the importance of eternal accountability. Eternal accountability. Look what Paul says regarding all of this building in our lives. The work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If you could go on to the next one, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. So again, talking to believers, so as a follower of Jesus Christ, this is something that's being written and identified is that your life will be tested. Your life will be tested not just by the storms of life, 
not just by the trials of life or the difficulties in life, but that there's going to be an eternal testing that's going to be put to your life to reveal the quality and the content of the life that you've lived and the quality and the content of, of how you've served Christ. That it's a day of inspection that is sure to come for every follower of Jesus. Elsewhere, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5.10. And he says, talking to believers, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. It says that you and I all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That there's all, for all of us, there's coming a day that we're gonna stand before Christ and give an account of how we built on how we kept Christ central or how we failed to, and how the return of his investment, of his grace in our lives, and what that looks like and through the time, the talents, the investments that he's given. Now, I remember when I was younger, uh, grown up in church, been around church, I've often would hear about the judgment seat of Christ, and I would think as a follower of Jesus, as someone who's committed my life to Christ, I would think about this day coming and that I'm gonna have to stand before Christ and, and the way it was often described in church was that you know, you're gonna have, they would say well, you're gonna have a big screen put up and you're gonna see, everyone's gonna see all your junk, all your stuff. Uh, you're still saved, you still get to heaven, but, but all that has to be dealt with. And there used to be this, this fear and this condemnation that went with it. But what you and I have to remember as a follower of Jesus Christ, when it comes to this day, if you could go back to that verse one more time, when it comes to this day, this judgment seat of Christ, this is not a day of condemnation. This is a day of examination. It's a day of condemnation. Condemnation means there's shame and there's, there's guilt and there's, there's, there's the, the loss of realizing that, that we're not right with God. And all of the things that would come with, with condemnation to make us feel not good, not worthy, not right to be before him. But this day of the judgment seat of Christ, of giving an account of our lives, is not about condemnation, it's about examination. And the best way to think about it is just the, the, the love that Christ has for you, the love that he has for your life, and that his grace has been extended. And so all of your wrong, all of your sin, all that you've done apart from Christ has been addressed at the cross that we look to the cross and we realize that we've been made right with, with God because of what Jesus Christ has done as being that offering for our sin, that offering for our wrong, so we could be in right relationship with him and so we receive that grace. This day comes back to about the grace of God being applied in our lives and what we've done with it and how we've fleshed it out, how it's looked in our lives and how we've really invested in our lives to reflect his life in us. And it says that this is going to be a day of testing. It's going to be a day of revealing. It's a day that every single believer will one day encounter as we stand before Jesus. But look how he describes it. Could you go to verse 14 and 15? It says, talking about what's been built, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. It says it's gonna be a day of loss for many a day of loss for many individuals, individuals who are committed to following Jesus, but yet their life has not been built for, on eternal things, and it says it's a day of loss. They're still with Christ, but it's a day of loss. And I want you to look at your life and think about your life when it comes to this day, and think about how many individuals are gonna be surprised at the loss they're gonna suffer because the things they've been building in this life are not invested nor connected to eternity. They're focused so much on the now that we fail to realize there is coming a day that we'll stand before Christ and give an account of our lives and, and what we've done with our life for him. And there's a lot more that we could spend time talking about when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ. Um, there's a lot of things that we could talk about. 
But the biggest thing that I want you to think about when it comes to your life is it all comes back to what have you done with Jesus? Have you kept him the centerpiece? Have you allowed your life to be built upon that centerpiece and everything that he's invested in you, the life you're living, the ministry, that letting his ministry flow through you, not just about receiving, but about giving, let his, his life flow through you so that in the end, when you stand before Christ, that, that everything is exposed and it exposes the foundation of Jesus and all that you've done is pointing to him and is connected to who he is and what he's done in your life. And now if you're watching this morning, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, and perhaps you've tuned in with a friend or you've joined us for the last couple of weeks, the Bible talks about a very different judgment that comes for individuals who are not right with Jesus Christ. And that is a judgment at the end of time, but it says that we won't stand before God and that's not a time where we're measured by how good or bad we did. The Bible says that at that time, it comes down to we stand before God and it comes down to what we did with Jesus as you place your faith in him and recognizing him as your savior, your Lord, and surrendering your life to him. But those, that's a decision, just like the follower of Jesus cannot go back and undo all that they've done in life, but rather from this point forward can make a decision in how they're going to invest and serve their lives for Jesus. Just for like the one who's watching now is not a follower of Jesus. That you can make a decision right now that not only affects the past, it wipes away your past, your wrong sin with God, it points it to Jesus and it gives you a future hope in Jesus knowing that when that day comes that you're in right relationship with him. And I just encourage you, whether you're a follower of Jesus or, or you're right now, you're, you're at that place of decision trying to decide what you're going to do with your life by way of your faith in Christ. The question that I would ask you is to look at your life in light of eternity. Look at your life in light of eternity and how you've spent it and how, what your future will look like based on how, with the motive, the heart, the reasoning behind all that you've done. And I just encourage you, friends, as you're watching this morning, whether you're, again, a Christian or a non-Christian, days like this, times like this, seasons like this that we're in a world are great reminders that this life is not all there is, but that our lives are, meant, are built and meant for eternity with Jesus, eternity with him, and that comes back to, at the end, it comes back to relationship with him. And so this morning, I would love to just simply conclude our time together with prayer over you. I'd love to just take a minute and pray over you. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you to make that decision now this morning. That's something that right, stand, right there standing in your home, sitting in your car, however you're listening to this, you can begin to open your heart and have a conversation with God right now and inviting Jesus to come and inviting him and say, Jesus, I, I ask you to I confess my sin. I ask you to come and forgive me of my past and restore me into relationship with God. And the Bible says that that's what, that's what God does right in this instant, that you're in right relationship with him. And for the rest of us as followers of Jesus, I would encourage you to examine your life. And look, who, who is really central in your life? Is it Jesus? Is it perhaps a relationship? Is it a career path? Is it children? Is it any number of things, education? What's the centerpiece of your life? making sure that the really it is centered upon Jesus. The second thing is what are you doing because of that decision? How is your life different? How are you building and investing in your life and through your life for kingdom purposes so that Jesus is clearly seen? And then the last thing is living with, in light of eternity, realizing that this life is not all there is, but that as you live your life, it's living forward, realizing the day's coming that we're gonna stand before God and give an account to the life that we've lived. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. And I just, I'd love to just close in prayer this morning and then I'll dismiss you in just a second. But let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And we invite you by your Holy Spirit to search us. Jesus, I think about your words that we've just read that you shared in the parable of the wise and foolish builder. And you talked about the importance of not only hearing, but applying. And we invite you right now, Holy Spirit, just to the very things that we've talked about right now to show us where we've heard but not applied. To show us areas, God, where we have been building a kingdom but it's not been your kingdom. Areas where our lives have not been focused upon the things that matter to you. I pray right now, Father, for everyone who's watching that you would lead us to those places of our hearts, those those areas of the home of our lives, God, that where Jesus is not the central piece, where his words don't shape the actions, the thoughts, the lives that we have, where the things that our lives produce, God, that they're not centered upon who Jesus is. We invite you right now, God, even in patterns of thinking, to show us unhealthy patterns of thinking that lead us not towards Christ's likeness, but lead us away from him. Show us areas, God, where we've allowed the things of this world to influence and to shape and to lead. God, even in times like we've been in with this pandemic, God, that it's so easy to focus on the now and the next and and how we can move from one phase to the next, but I pray that in the midst of all of it, God, you would lead us to focus more on you. To not be afraid to just slow down and to wait upon you and allowing your spirit to work and to minister, to reveal and to lead. I pray, God, that as we live a life focused upon you, that you would help us to build with care, to be intentional. And the things that we're allowing into our lives, the things that we're allowing to consume our lives, the things that we're allowing to consume the time of our lives. I pray that in this time, God, where we're not able to physically gather, that you would show us places and ways that we can grow deeper in you, deeper in knowing you, deeper in serving you, Lead us to recognizing your giftings in our lives and a number of different avenues, God, whether it be in our neighborhood with our neighbors, whether it be in the workplace or even through the avenue of social media, God, being an avenue of an encouragement, an avenue of sharing your word and your truth. And then, Father, I do pray that you would help us to live lives with a greater lens for eternity, to not be so focused on what we need right now or what we want right now or the next thing that we need, the next season to come, but help us to live life that's focused upon eternity, to focus on that day that we realize we'll give an account of our lives to you. Lord, I pray over each one that's watching right now and for those who are yet to make a decision to grow, to come to faith in Jesus Christ and to know you through relationship with him. We invite you by your Holy Spirit to work in their lives right now. God, I pray that as they respond to you, they respond in uh, confession of their sin, and confession of their need for you, and the forgiveness and grace that you bring. God, I pray that they would experience the newness of heart, newness of life that only your spirit can bring. I pray that your peace right now would envelop them. And I pray that they would look to you and realize, God, the new life that you desire to produce in them and through them. So Father, we love you, we worship you, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in us. We thank you for what you're doing in us as a church family. 
And we thank you for what you're doing in this world as you're really giving us opportunity to turn our hearts and our minds and our lives more and more to you. Father, we love you, we worship you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, as you're watching there at home, I encourage you in a couple of things. Um, as I'm sure has already been mentioned in the comments, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, please reach out to us, let us know. We'd love to connect with you further about that decision. Also, if you need prayer, you need guidance, you need direction, uh, feel free to reach out to us as well, whether through a private message on Facebook, you can call the office through the week, uh, you can send us an email. In any of those avenues, we'll certainly look forward to getting back, and getting in touch with you and being able to pray with you further. I also encourage you to utilize this, the prayer time this coming Wednesday from 6.30 to 7.30 to drive up, receive prayer, and we look forward to seeing you in that. But until then, until the day that we see you, whether it be this Wednesday or days ahead, I want to read as a final blessing over you out of Ephesians chapter 3 this morning. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever, amen. Dear ones, we love you. We are praying for you and we anticipate the day that we can see you again soon. Be blessed as you go.